Find other great podcasts like this one at podmoth.network. And welcome to Crime and Spirits, your new favorite true crime and cocktail podcast. I'm your host, Bree. And I'm your other host, Suze. We're best friends who are obsessed with true crime, and we love a good-themed cocktail. So, we took our two favorite things and turned them into a podcast. Every Sunday, we release a new episode covering a different case or topic of interest. I'm the resident bartender here at Crime and Spirits, so every time we get together, I mix up a drink that ties into the episode in some way, shape, or form, and then I teach you how to make one for yourself. That way, you can sip right along with us. We like to keep things conversational around here, so expect some tangents on occasion, as well as some cursing here and there. Think of us as a cross between Dateline and Girls' Night. So, come hang out with us every week while we learn a little something new together. We love to chat with you about whatever, really, but mostly true crime. You better buckle up, Buttercup. And sip tight. Let's get on with the show. Woo! Hey everyone, and welcome to Crime and Spirits. My name is Bree. And I'm Suze. We are so glad that you can join us for our very last episode of 2023. Wow, 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 wow. What a year. Thank you guys for an amazing year. I'm so fucking proud of us and what we've put out this year, and I'm so thrilled that you guys enjoy it. Absolutely. And you're still listening. Yeah. And still tuning we in. haven't scared you away yet. And so it's that's been a good. whole solid year of podcasting. Yes. I'm really proud of us. Me Even too. when we hit some snags and Ugh. bumps, which Boy, we sure we. did. <laughs> we still managed to do the damn thing. Heck so. yeah. And I'm so excited to see what next year has in store for us. And I can't wait for you guys to see it because it's going to be so fucking good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it'll be so good. I'm excited for 2024. I hope all of you have a safe and happy New Year's. This episode will come out on New Year's Eve. Yes. So literally the very last thing that we are doing for Crime and Spirit. Uh-huh. So weird. It is. <laughs> it is weird. It worked out like that, too. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited. I think we picked a good case, a nice, interesting one to round out the year with. Mm-hmm. So should we just get into it? Yeah. All right. I say let's do it. <laughs> so today, you guys, we're going to be delving into a complex web of events that ultimately led to the tragic death of Tyrone Hassel III. Tyrone was an active duty soldier stationed at Fort Stewart in Georgia. In December of 2018, while on leave for the holidays in his hometown, he was fatally shot by an assailant. The investigation into Hassel's murder revealed a shocking twist that implicated someone close to him, turning the entire case on its head. Bum, bum, bum. (laughs) So... Today's discussion will involve the topic of gun violence. We're going to be exploring the events leading up to that fateful night by exploring the details of the case, shedding light on the motivations, the suspects, and the aftermath that continues to resonate with Tyrone's loved ones. The circumstances around his death are very unsettling, and we understand if you're not interested in listening to that, we get it. We'll catch you next year. Yeah. LOL. <laughs> Dad jokes all around. But... You know, we do advise that you always use discretion when listening to any podcast like ours. You know, the themes we discuss, they're not really for kids and they're incredibly sensitive in nature. Plus, in our case specifically, we've got that whole cocktail thing going for us. So we urge you to consume responsibly, safety first and all that jazz. But let's get to the fun part. Let's make something fun and pretty to sip along with because Suze is absolutely delivering 
for our last cocktail of the year. My, my, my. It looks so festive and delicious. It does. To say that I would like to have a cocktail now would be the understatement of this year. Absolutely. As you know, we both work in the service industry, so it has just really been a grind this last month or so, especially. I think that by the time this particular time of year rolls around we are just so done with being around people Uh we don't we barely want to see each other and you're like one of two of my favorite people (laughs) so girl truth 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 (laughs) so because this week's case takes place on new year's eve we're gonna go festive like i said the last few weeks rather than trying to tie it into the case in some way shape or form we're just gonna go full-on seasonally festive because why why not Try to lighten it up ever so slightly. Right. So the drink today combines bubbly with juice and vodka, and it turns into something very delightful. There are quite literally hundreds of New Year's cocktails out there. In fact, there are many that share the same name as today's cocktail, the New Year Sparkler. I love that. Isn't it fun? <laughs> it's festive. So it takes its name not only from the bubbles in the cocktail, but also from the edible glitter that you know that I love to add to almost anything. <laughs> Absolutely. So let's start with why is champagne such a holiday tradition? Because I was curious. Yes, tell me. I love to learn. According to mash.com, around 25% of all champagne is sold in the days between Christmas and New Year's. Is that mash? Like M-A- mashed. Mm-hmm. M-A-S-H-E-D dot oh, com. Okay. Um, so let's go way, way back, 1500 years back, specifically, <laughs> to the end of the 5th century. A man named King Clovis was fighting to defend his territory and unite previously independent groups under one rule. He was successful, and as the story goes, he promised his wife, who was from the central region of Burgundy in France, that he would not only become king of all areas of France, but also a Christian as well. Oh. So Clovis was baptized. He was a man of his word. He was baptized in the heart of Franche- Franche's, France's <laughs> Champagne region. Oh, okay. This started the idea that the region was quote-unquote royal, if you will. French kings actually continued to be baptized there for centuries. It oh. was a big deal. Lots of local wines were drunk during these events. You might be asking, what the hell does this have to do with champagne? Right. <laughs> right. Let's fast forward to the end of the 1600s and talk about a Benedictine monk named... Dom Perignon. Stop it. Yes, that one. It was a real guy. A monk, nonetheless. I don't think I've ever put thought into that. Nope, me either. I was like, holy crap. The How more interesting. You know. So sparkling wine was already relatively common around this time. So nobody would say that he invented champagne, but he did mm. sort of crack the code on how to use red grapes to make a white wine. Mm. He expanded the monastery's vineyards. He developed the practice of using corks. Andy figured out, in my opinion, one of the most important parts, how to secure the corks against the pressure that builds up inside a bottle of sparkling wine. You know, champagne goes pop. Sure does. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. this cemented the reputation of the Champagne region of France as a major producer of champagne. French royalty loved the bubbly stuff so much so that King Louis, one of them, started making laws which governed what could be called champagne specifically and how it could be <laughs> sold. Because, you know, only champagne right. made in the champagne region of France is actual champagne. Everything else is just sparkling just wine. a fake. That's the only true fact I knew mm-hmm. about champagne. Yep. Outside of, you know, the basics of picking out wines well, and stuff yeah. like that. Even that sometimes I'm like, meh. 
is the label pretty? Right. Put it in the cart. (laughs) So the wines Dom Perignon was experimenting with had already been a part of royal coronations for centuries. And only a few decades after the Benedictine monk made his improvements, champagne was front and center at another celebration, the Fête de la Federation. I'm not French. I took Spanish in high school, so (laughs) bear with me. This was in 1790, and Champagne region wines were the only ones used to celebrate the end of the French Revolution. Wow, this mm-hmm. is blowing your like, mind. Yes, yes, <laughs> me actually. too, girl. Um, not long after Champagne became an integral part of the Congress of Vienna, and after that, it was widely used to celebrate the signings of major treaties and the end of diplomatic meetings. Interesting. So basically that meant that champagne became the drink of choice at a huge number of landmark celebrations from royal weddings to the scaling of some of the world's toughest mountains. It then also became linked with New Year's celebrations, which started first with Julius Caesar. Uh, mm. It wasn't until the 1800s that staying up for a midnight party became a common tradition. And we know champagne was a major part of it from at least mid-century. So by the middle of the 19th century, Champagne's popularity had undergone something of a trickle-down effect. So it started at the very top with the kings and queens who loved it. The nobility then wanted to emulate the royals. Right. The pseudo-nobility wanted to fit in. And the merchants, the middle class, and the working class felt like there was no reason that they shouldn't also be able to have some freaking champagne. (laughs) Absolutely. They probably work very hard. They deserved it. (laughs) They deserve it. So... It start it, it just became more popular. It's and then just a thing now. Mm-hmm. Yep. By the end of the 19th century, most New Year's parties were serving champagne. In the five decades leading up to the start of the century, champagne sales skyrocketed from 6 million bottles per year to 28 million. Wow. And in the 1930s, a popular New York restaurant made sure it was the thing to drink. Because, again, exclusivity breeds like envy and mm-hmm. all that kind of and stuff, interest. you know? yeah. The restaurant was called Café Martin, and it opened in 1902. It was run by a pair of French brothers, and it became just not the place to just be seen, but a place for the most fashionable, the who's who, all those people to show up to. Wow. The Martin brothers capitalized on the romance of their European homeland. They made it kind of exotic. They had a menu that charged $1.50 for dinner. <laughs> and they also advertised their imagine? it was like a steak dinner or something ridiculous too for a dollar fifty but back then that would have been extravagant like water for a dollar fifty i don't even think you could add a side on or a piece of bread for that matter right. in addition to the astonishing price of dinner <laughs> they also advertised a selection of 69 different champagnes Their importing of these champagnes was a hugely profitable part of their business, and New Year's, along with other holidays like Christmas, etc., etc., became their biggest, most profitable days. Interesting. Yeah. So they pushed champagne in a way that made their customers feel like it was special. Yeah. The Cafe Martin became, kind of, it's thought, the first place to become a champagne-only restaurant for New Year's, at Mm. least after 9 p.m., By the time that rule was put in place, it was such a trendy place to be in that people were more than happy to only drink champagne if it meant being seen in a super hot cafe on New Year's in New York City. I mean, just saying. Susan and I have it on our bucket list to do New Year's in New York City, but we don't want to be in Times Square. We want 
a hotel room overlooking Times Square. So we Square. can just be like, haha. They don't let you pee. No. When you're in there. Diapers. Did you guys know this? Yes. You are not allowed to pee. I, I'm I mean, if you leave, you give up your spot. Right. Which but again, it all started here. Well, and you know what's crazy is that those people are sober. Mm-hmm. That changes my entire outlook on the entire thing. Yeah. Let I'd me... much rather drink champagne in our hotel room overlooking Times Square. <laughs> or even in our office recording our podcast. Absolutely. <laughs> so the staff of the Cafe Martin actually upsold, if you will, or promoted champagne. For each bottle they popped and each cork they saved, they earned a bonus. Oh. So long story short, champagne was seen as a status symbol. It should be noted that although sparkling wines are produced worldwide, again, many legal structures reserve the word champagne exclusively for those sparkling wines from the Champagne region of France. That's just so funny to me. Isn't it crazy? Mm-hmm. But uh, again, I don't know that I've ever had real champagne. <laughs> the more I think of it, the more I think I've had only things from California. I agree. We just go for our basic barefoot it's whatever true. we're feeling like well, for the night. This time of year, because it is leading into New Year's, a lot of that stuff is on sale. So right. I purchased with my eyes and with my wallet in mind. And you guys <laughs> already know that your girls love a good deal. We do. So now that we've got our little history lesson, let's get to mixing. This drink is not only festive, but it's also super freaking easy. Yeah, easy peasy. Um, We're using Barefoot Bubbly here. I picked a Brut Rosé because the price was right. It's pink. Our whole theme is pink with this one. So that's where we're going. You'll also want to pick up a very berry vodka. Excuse me. We have Pinnacle Raspberry. So that's what we're going to roll with. The only one I would say not to try is the red berry from New Amsterdam. I have heard it is not Don't great. do it. <laughs> um, you'll also need some cranberry juice. If you want to add edible glitter to be super duper festive like we did, feel free. Absolutely. And I picked up some frozen raspberries for garnish. And I actually put, I have a little spherical ice cube tray. And I actually put a raspberry in each one and then filled it with cranberry juice because I do like being extra. Yes. And it looks really amazing. It does. So you're using two things that are already in the drink, so you're not actually diluting your drink like ice would. Well, and if you think about it, fruit is something that a lot of people keep on hand, mm-hmm. especially frozen fruit. Not everybody has access to fresh fruit. And it's such an easy way that you don't need to spend extra money on to right. elevate any cocktail that you make. Well, even like in your if you want a chilled white wine, frozen grapes, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. With this, it just happened to work out perfectly because we're using cranberry juice and raspberry vodka. Right. Like a match made in heaven. 100%. Um, we also, you want a champagne flute or right. a wine glass, whatever floats your boat. Um, so to start with, we just chilled the champagne flute. We put ours in the freezer while we were chit-chatting because that way it's nice and frosty. Next up, add one ounce of the berry vodka and one and a half ounces of cranberry juice to the champagne flute. If you want to add your glitter, do it now, because next you're going to pour in your bubbly, which will then swirl up the glitter. It makes it look really cool. It's super neat. It's such a nice, it's such a pretty effect. And and easy. Yes. Very minimal effort with a big payoff. You know yes. what I mean? And you just top it till you feel comfortable, however much that would be for your champagne flute. Mm-hmm. I left a little bit of room so we could add a few of those raspberry ice cubes. Yeah, the ice cubes. And then that was literally it. So it's easy. It's delicious. It's striking. It looks good. Mm. It's good, right? Oh, 
you can barely tell that there's vodka in here right so there would be the problem that's why yep. i had initially been on the fence about putting it in a wine glass but i'm glad we went champagne flute because i think we would be schnockered Absolutely. if we drank a whole wine glass <laughs> we of don't need stuff. all of that <laughs> we still have one day one more day of work to get there it's true it's true we can reserve that maybe <laughs> test it out on new year's eve yeah there you go but like i said that's the new year's eve sparkler it's just really delicious it is oh highly recommend all right. So while you're wrapping things up with your cocktail or your cup of coffee or tea, whatever you are mixing up, we're just going to take a quick break and listen to a quick word from our friends over at the Bad Axe podcast. Hey there, fellow true crime aficionados. We're the host of Bad Axe, a true crime podcast. I'm Danielle. And I'm Aaron. Join us every Thursday for twisted true crime tales of dark deeds and despicable people. We focus on lesser known unique stories with a new case each week. We've covered family annihilators, cannibals, revenge killings, killer kids, mysterious murders, survivor stories, and much more. We've even tackled stories of people who blamed zombies, vampires, ghosts, and voodoo for their bad acts. Of course, we know they're the only ones to blame. You can find us everywhere you get your podcast, or you can visit our website at badaxpod.com. If you like fresh stories and new perspectives on crime, Bad Axe will be your new jam. Join Bad Axe every Thursday. Stay safe, y'all. See you soon. All right, my friends. Let's get into this All right, let's dark do it. and twisty tale. So this is a tragic story that highlights the complexities of human relationships, betrayal, and the lengths to which individuals can go to when under the influence of emotions like love, jealousy, and desperation. And that is quite the trifecta there. That, that really is a lethal combination right there. Truly. This story revolves around Tyrone Hassel III, a dedicated U.S. Army sergeant, and his wife, Kamaya. So Tyrone was born and raised in Benton Harbor, Michigan, to parents Tyrone Hassel Jr. and LaShonda Jones. His family was a loving and stable one and stayed that way even when Tyrone's parents divorced. Tyrone was about 10 years old at the time, and thankfully, his parents really did the damn thing correctly. They co-parented very well. So he was able to foster and maintain a close relationship which both of, with both of them, which would eventually go on to include future step-parents and half-siblings. Both of his parents remarried and had other children. Dad had two more sons, I believe, and Mom had three children. All five of these step-siblings, or half-siblings, excuse me, really looked up to Tyrone tremendously. Tyrone was a busy kid and pretty much was always on the go, doing something, getting into some kind of activity. While in school, he studied hard and played sports even harder. In high school, he was an honor student and a star baseball player. And while juggling both of those, also earned an honor scholarship. So super smart cookie. I'm just saying the kid worked real freaking hard. And was a very well-rounded individual, mm -hmm. even at such a young age, which you don't see very often. It's true. His original plan after graduating high school was to continue his baseball career in college. That changed, however, once Tyrone started his college studies. He realized what he really wanted was to join the Army. Now, initially, his parents were not on board with this decision, but ultimately, they supported their son and wound up being incredibly proud of his accomplishments. He enlisted and got stationed at Fort Carson, Colorado. During basic training, he met a fellow cadet named Kamaya Martin. 
It was a chance meeting that occurred one night while Tyrone was out with some friends and would forever change the trajectory of both of their lives. <sighs> so Kamaya is originally from the Atlanta, Georgia area. She had joined the army right out of high school and like Tyrone was in basic training. According to his friends, Tyrone was head over heels for Kamaya, just completely in love at first sight, and almost immediately, he was completely devoted to her. It didn't take long for Tyrone to take her home to meet his family. She made a great first impression, came across as very sweet and very kind. Tyrone wasted zero time putting a ring on this girl's finger and went on to officially marry her after one single year of dating. Their anniversary, or I guess wedding date, May 17th, 2017. The newlyweds were then restationed together in Fort Stewart, Georgia, where Tyrone was quickly promoted to the rank of sergeant. Which, on one of the documentaries I watched, I think I watched the A&E one. Oh, mm mm-hmm. And they had mentioned that the way that Tyrone had gotten promoted in the Army was unheard of. And I mean, he was, what, 23? Yes. When he passed away? He was like a baby. Yeah. So this, you know, 21 at this point, he was really working his took us off. He really was. Not long after the move, Kamaya announced her pregnancy. Tyrone was ecstatic when he found out. His mother was the first person he called with the good news and excitedly informed her that she was going to be a grandmother. Aw. The entire family was just so excited about this new baby that was going to be joining the family approximately nine months later tyrone and kamaya welcomed their son tyrone hassel the fourth into the world you know normally i'm always like okay guys how many of their how many of you i know does there have to be but there's something about this story that's just incredibly heartwarming yes i like everybody except for like two people in this story <laughs> right 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 very right. much now, Tyrone was incredibly happy, and he was just so, so, so proud of his family. He soon bought the three of them a house, thanks to his quick ascent in the chain of command in the army. Tyrone was doing well for himself, and he was able to comfortably provide this for his wife and child. When the baby was around one, Tyrone unfortunately got deployed to Korea. Kamaya followed not long after. So... They were obviously both overseas. They were gone for around a year, so the baby stayed with Tyrone's father and stepmother during this time. Tyrone would FaceTime his son every night, and honestly, I think that's freaking adorable. Oh my gosh. Because yes. the baby's so young, you know what I mean? You want to make sure he remembers your face. Or and even just like, your voice. Aw. You know, I feel like that would mm -hmm. even be something. I don't know what kind of information babies take in at that age but i don't honestly we probably all look like blobs to them when they're one <laughs> for all i know you know yeah <laughs> when tyrone and kamaya arrived back stateside in october of 2018 tyrone felt determined to make up the time he had to spend away from his family later that year the trio traveled to michigan for the holidays which brings us to new year's eve tyrone and his family were at a party hosted by another family member Kamaya stayed back home, so all of them were staying at Tyrone Jr.'s house. That is Ty our Tyrone's father. Yes. It mm -hmm. can get a little confusing. Kamaya stayed back with the baby because I think Tyrone's stepmother was on call that night and mm -hmm. Tyrone's father was with him. So yeah. it was just her and the baby. Just before 11 p.m., Tyrone let Kamaya know that he was heading back with a plate of food for her. He was just going to drop it off before heading back to the party, which... I think is so sweet. 
I agree. The party was kind of described as uh, something just low key, the family getting together, cooking together, just kind of getting to spend some time with one another. Vibing kind of deal. And it's people in the military. It's hard when you're deployed and all over the world slash country. You know, it's hard to get back home. So I'm sure everybody wanted to see Tyrone. I mean, Michigan is not super close to Georgia. Right. You know, or on opposite ends of the country. I mean, really. Essentially. So. I could understand all of that. And again, bringing some food home for his wife like a good man. Right. So he does just that. He brings her the food, says, I love you. Bye. And goes out the door. Before he could get inside of his vehicle, a man in dark clothing walked straight up to him and fired three shots before retreating. Kamaya, who was in the living room right inside of the house, heard the shots go off. She went and got her son settled and ran outside found her husband slumped against his truck, barely breathing and completely unresponsive. Kamaya called 911 right away. There's a recording of the call. It's super easy to find on the internet. We're going to have some links of the things that we watched and did to prepare. We mentioned this when we were covering the Chris Watts case, but this is something that's 2018. That's kind of like right around our cutoff for things right now. Mm -hmm. But there's body cam footage from that night and every... it is heartbreaking to watch, full disclosure. There's extensive amounts of it, too. It's very detailed. Mm-hmm. So, it, again, we'll provide the links if that is your jam, if it's something you really want to check out, because it really is heart-wrenching to hear and it see is. everything that's going on. It absolutely is. It's also a fascinating study of human behavior, oh, mm-hmm. which I think you guys will understand a bit more as we navigate this Progress. story. <laughs> so, like I said... Recording of the call, we're going to make sure you guys have access to it. In it, you can hear Kamaya crying hysterically, and she was just saying, quote, I need help. My husband was shot. I need help. Officers arrived relatively quickly, and EMS immediately followed. When they came upon the scene, they found Kamaya cradling Tyrone, just sobbing, just hysterical. There was a very visible pool of blood beneath his head, and some blood splattered on the nearby truck. Paramedics were able to find a pulse and quickly got him into the ambulance. At this point, Kamaya actually tried to get in with him, but they did not allow it. One of the guys physically had to restrain her. Remove her from said ambulance. Climbing in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. She was just hysterical. And overall, nothing about this scene was good. Like none Mm -hmm. of it at all. Um, After arriving at the hospital, Tyrone was rushed into emergency surgery, but unfortunately there was not much that could be done to save him. He had been shot in three different places, the head, the neck, and the upper arm. Plus there was the issue of the massive blood loss that occurred due to those injuries. The news of Tyrone's passing was shocking to say the least. He had no enemies. In fact, it was quite the opposite. He was described as a friend to everyone. Plus, he didn't even live in the area, so it's not like... And he hadn't for several years. Exactly. It was was incredibly unlikely that there was some vendetta or something like that at play. Right. The motive behind this murder was just very unclear. And investigators had quite an uphill battle ahead of them, but they were absolutely determined to solve this case. I mean, a shooting involving a military sergeant... There was no way they were just going to let this one slip through the cracks. One of the gentlemen in the documentary I watched said he was a former military service member as well. So he took it extra personally, personally, which I found very endearing. It's like no man left behind type thing. You know what I mean? I always really enjoy. I mean, I can't imagine how hard it is to be a police officer. And while I have my reservations about 
some of the things and the way our police system is in our country. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine what it's like doing that job and having to do all of this. I would hope that every person would be like, I need to figure this out. Right. I know it's not realistic. That's more of a like a rose colored glasses way of looking at it. I'm I'm sure they do take every case slightly personally. You know what I mean? It just seemed like this man was like, we were going to solve it. I really don't care what we have to go through yeah. to get it done but we're gonna get it done well and then without having that knowledge i kind of assumed it was one of those things where like well we don't want the army coming down on us for not figuring this out right so either way they had a shit ton of motivation yes. to get this figured out as soon as possible so at the crime scene we're gonna kind of briefly go over some of the things they found uh first thing was five spent shell casings as well as a single spent bullet Officers also located some footprint impressions to the west of the truck in the garage. It appeared as if the individual here had to run through that specific area. It had been raining off and on most of the night, so the prints were very fresh. So that led them to assume they were specifically from Tyrone's assailant. It's not like they came the next morning or something. Right. It was literally within minutes this investigation began. Exactly. Um, investigators poured a plaster cast of the impression for later analysis, which is always a good idea. Love to see it. <laughs> I thought this little bit was really interesting. So they brought canine units. into. I love canine units. I know. It's always a, I don't want to say fun little addition because that's totally not the right word. But I find the the quote unquote science yes. <laughs> behind it. I was going to say the science behind canine investigating. Yeah. I think it's very interesting. I wish I understood more of it. But... I agree. So they bring in these canine units and they were brought in specifically to just search the surrounding na- part of the neighborhood. And one of the dogs caught on to a strong scent pretty quickly and actually headed north northwest across the way before stopping suddenly in the middle of a driveway. So something about this house in the driveway, it was for sale at the time, and it was empty for quite a while leading up to the murder, which is really a long-winded way to say that there shouldn't have been any sense strong enough for a canine dog to pick up, let alone confidently follow from a murder scene, if you guys get what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. So this basically led investigators to believe that this was where the getaway car must have been parked because like we said, it was a matter of minutes after the shooting occurred that the police were there. Right. So all of this happened incredibly quickly as far as the actual attack went. So all of it was fresh, I guess you could say, you know what I mean? Scents, footprints, that kind of stuff. Well, and obviously he had to get away somehow. Right. The, The footprints didn't go endlessly into the neighborhood there was a stopping point at some point which i thought was a very interesting tidbit Mm -hmm. to this whole thing so that night at the scene detectives questioned kamaya she led detectives through the chain of events leading up to the shooting kamaya told officers that she called 911 and administered first aid before calling tyrone's father to inform him of what was going on She said she didn't see any shooter, nor did she know who the shooter could have been. Officers also spoke with Chirone Jr., our victim's father. He didn't know of anybody that his son may have had problems with. He was thinking that it was likely a random robbery. Like we said earlier, Tyrone was doing pretty well for himself. He had a nice truck. He looked the part, the whole nine yards. 
Um, the area he grew up in and was currently visiting at that time wasn't considered to be a wealthy neighborhood, if you know what I mean. You, it, it wasn't, wasn't like less, ghetto and run down. It was say. just a nice, quiet neighborhood, but it was not like super fancy or anything. There, you know. So, well, and I think that just like with any parts of any city and neighborhood, there's people there that do things out of desperation. And at this stage in the game, the way the world is, it doesn't matter where you are. Right. People Shit, are. Shit's going to happen. True. If it's going to happen. People are awful. <laughs> Moral of the story. <laughs> Long story short. <laughs> At any rate, Tyrone's father thought that perhaps someone noticed the nice clothes, the jewelry, the truck, and decided to just try and take it. This was quickly discounted, though, because Tyrone's wallet and cell phone were still on him. His truck was obviously still there. The keys were literally in the ignition. So there was absolutely no way that this was just a robbery gone awry. Right. No way. I think that if that was more likely of a scenario, the crime scene would have been way more haphazard as well. I feel like there would have been more evidence of a struggle because this person wouldn't have just come up and been like bang, bang right in the face. Would have tried to take something first. Right. So even that just, it didn't fit right. Well, and like it, we've discussed before robbers want the money the jewelry the vehicle they don't want to kill people that's not generally yeah what robberies are about so i'm glad they discounted it quickly and didn't follow it for no reason right so the homicide division is brought in on the case at this point soon after authorities received a call about another shooting in the area which occurred around 5 30 a.m that same night slash morning depending on how you want to look at it And this occurred just two miles from Tyrone's father's home. This shooting was deemed unrelated pretty much immediately. It appeared to have been the result of a fight between a couple of people at a New Year's Eve party. I'm sure that's not really unlikely at this time of year. So that was not a connection in any way, shape or form. The morning of New Year's Day, authorities begin going door to door to ask neighbors if they saw anyone or anything hurt anybody anything at all that was amiss in connection with tyrone's murder many of the homes were long-standing community members who knew each other fairly well so if you saw an outsider they likely would have been noticed a neighbor around the corner from the hassle home had actually seen a darker colored newer model vehicle backed into the driveway across the street from them and yes this is the driveway we were talking about earlier Ooh, is that the driveway So the neighbor saw a man in a hooded sweatshirt exit the car, walk towards the hassle home. Not long after, they heard gunshots before seeing the man run back to the vehicle and speed away. Unfortunately, this neighbor could not give any kind of clear description of the suspect, but this was a lot more information than what they had previously, so... At least that was a specific place to start, I suppose, you know what I mean? It's nothing else. A direction to head in. (laughs) I was going to say, if nothing else, I feel like it confirms what they the the oh my gosh the scent dog theory oh mm -hmm. with the getaway car yeah absolutely so all of this left police with basically just a whole bunch of dead ends in the meantime the hassle family held a candlelight vigil on january 3rd at tyrone's father's home kamaya was there of course with her mother and sister for support tyrone's family loved kamaya she was a part of the family and they really took care of her during this difficult time Despite having to navigate their own grief, Tyrone's family continued to work with police to try and catch his killer. 
Apparently, his stepbrother had allegedly been involved in some robberies. Because of this new information, police came up with a new theory. This was just a case of mistaken identity. The stepbrother also allegedly had attracted the attention of some threatening individuals, and this led authorities to suspect that the brother had been the real target. So it was dark, whoops, we shot the wrong guy kind of thing. Right. So police asked Tyrone's stepbrother to come in for an interview. He agreed and denied having anything that could tie him to Tyrone's murder. Police suss out the lead and eventually concluded that he, the stepbrother, was clear of any wrongdoing. At this point, the police were out of leads, promising and otherwise. They Just nada, nothing. Zip, zero, nothing. Not a single thing. On January 10th, their luck finally changed. Detectives received a phone call from an anonymous woman in Georgia. She said that she lived around the Fort Stewart Army base. And for those Ooh. of you playing along at home, we remember that that's where Kamaya and Tyrone were stationed. Uh-oh. So she said point blank that the authorities needed to take a second look at Kamaya. Just out the gate. And that is because Kamaya was allegedly having an affair with another soldier Ooh. named Jeremy... Oh, we literally talked about this. Before. Quayar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we literally talked about this before we started recording. I'm we so did. sorry, guys. I'm terrible at that shit. I'm really bad <laughs> with names. That's why I watched a documentary so I could he- hear everything it correctly. It was right? Because I remember hearing it and being like, that does not sound the way it's spelled right. at all. Right. Quayar. Got it. The in- I, w- I don't have it. <laughs> the anonymous caller was certain, absolutely certain, that this affair was a thing. And that Jeremy was the one that killed Tyrone. So authorities hopped on a plane, went to Georgia, and began questioning people that lived on the base. So to start with, they spoke with two members of Kamaya's unit. These members of the unit confirmed the affair to the police. In fact, a lot of people, like a lot, reported seeing Kamaya with Jeremy all the way back in South Korea. Apparently, the base was on the smaller side, and each barracks had separate living spaces located within a four to six block radius of one another. A decent number of people saw Kamaya and Jeremy going out together, getting out of taxis together, and multiple people reported seeing them go into a bedroom together and shut the door. I just... I wonder what they could be doing in there. They're very obviously Hmm. just cleaning the floor or something. Not even subtle. No, that's the thing that I think really got me. Not at all. Didn't even care didn't to, hide, seem like, to try and hide yeah, it. Yeah, it didn't seem like they were trying at all. Ugh. One witness elaborated and said that Jeremy seemed to have been obsessed with Kamaya in a really unhealthy kind of way. According to this specific witness, Jeremy told them, quote, he's got to go in reference to Tyrone. The same witness went on to tell police that Jeremy literally told them that he was the one who pulled the trigger. On January 8th, There was a morning briefing for the platoon that revealed the death of Tyrone. This was the day that Cuellar reported to his fellow soldier that he was actually the one who did it. Again. Boldly, brassily, big balledly just said, (laughs) it was me. Again. I just made up that word, but. (laughs) I'm here for it. Not trying to hide anything. I just. You killed a man and you're just like, yeah, I did it. No shame in any of it. I think that's, that's. What's getting me the most already is that just no shame. 
at all. You know, this is a really weird little side note, but that's what always, I shouldn't say freaks me out because that's too dramatic for what it actually is, but it always makes me wonder about people who are in jobs where unfortunately killing another person is part of the job. And I just feel like getting, oh, what's the word? Oh, when you're subjected to that kind of violence and you are like just, desensitized, that's the word. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When you're desensitized to that, I feel like doing something like this isn't that far of a leap. And then when you add an unhealthy obsession, I don't know. It just, it's just a weird observation I, I made, I guess. It's a really swirly, <laughs> twirly story that's happening right now. It's just so crazy because you have so much to lose when you're in the military that it just seems like, why would you... Just why? Want to risk that. For a girl. I guess. I, I just or really... for another guy. Like, it's just crazy. I don't understand it. Right. So a little teeny tiny little bit about who this guy Jeremy was. He grew up in Chicago and he lived in a rough neighborhood. He stayed out of trouble for the most part. There wasn't really a lot in his background or history that kind of waved any red flags. He graduated school with decent grades. He eventually joined the the military after working odd jobs for a little while. Oh, and uh, one more thing. He also got married at a super young age. Hmm. And I don't think this will surprise any of you to learn that he was still married. At the time of the murder. So everybody's married. So they're both terrible. Great. Okay. Cool. Got it. As we mentioned, Jeremy was also deployed to South Korea. He did not return to Fort Stewart until January 4th. After that, because everybody, not everybody, but I think their unit was on leave for the holidays or something like that. Yeah. That's at least how it read to us. So this whole timeline of everything linked up with what the police learned from his fellow soldiers. It was surmised that Jeremy had gone from Chicago to Benton Harbor to stake out Tyrone's father's home as well as track Tyrone's movements. To put that into context, it's less than a two hour drive away each way because it was kind of both places were on like the border enough that it wasn't hard to get there. I mean. Susan and I drive longer than that for our monthly drag show. I mean, Mark drives, we ride, but still. (laughs) But travel time is there. And that drive is is literally nothing. So this was not out of the realm of possibility. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they were starting to kind of put all the pieces together. And after the fact, authorities found out that Cuellar went to Michigan four separate times between December 19th and the 31st. We actually find out later that each time he tried to commit the murder but wasn't actually successful until New Year's Eve, Mm. which that's so terrifying to think of. But that's scary. Nobody knew he was there lurking around. It does amaze me that some people are not aware of their surroundings. And I, I think for me, it's definitely like a trauma response. But I it's crazy to me. Cell phones like really from doing this. I'm like, well, I can't trust anybody right i need to make sure i know what make and model that car is mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what i mean it's funny because mark always um for a long time when we would go outside to get into the car i if i wasn't on the right side to go behind the car i would always cross in front of him and he was like why are you doing this i'm like well i need to check i need to check the back seat and he's like why i'm like because well, what if always, there's a murderer you there? need to check the back seat especially if if i'm alone 
And if like I'm out shopping or something and it's dark out because it gets dark at 4 p.m. Like. It's really, though, always be aware of your surroundings, friends. He always thought it was so like like a funny, quirky thing that I did until I like sat him down and I explained like, no, there's actually like a real reason behind this. This is everybody should do that. Yeah, that's your PSA for the day. Right. Check the backseat of your car before Getting you in. get into the car. So pretty much immediately, police issue a warrant for Jeremy Cuellar's arrest. They find him at home in Hinesville, Georgia. They took him into custody in a quite literal towel and flip-flops. He had just gotten out of the shower. I just thought that was a hilarious detail that needed to be included. Good. Because they literally were like, you can't get your shoes. You're wearing this. Yeah. This is what we're booking you we in. We are apprehending you <laughs> in what you're currently wearing, which is a towel. Ha ha. You're lucky ha, ha, we ha, let ha. you get flip-flops. Right. I think. <laughs> so Jeremy basically clammed up immediately. He just refused to talk. But his... Home did the talking for him, if you will. Right, right, right. (laughs) When they searched the home, they found a hoodie, a gun magazine, and a purchase agreement for two weapons. In October and December of 2018, Cuellar purchased two pistols from another member of the Army. One was a 40 caliber Glock, the other a 9mm Ruger. The latter just so happened to match those shell casings that we found at the crime scene. Remember those? Oh my gosh, that's so weird. And then they searched his vehicle. There were two receipts found in his vehicle. One was from a clothing store and one was from Walmart. You guys. The one, this one, it's almost so obvious it (laughs) would be funny if it wasn't sad. Um, The one for Walmart was proof of purchase for a GPS unit paid for in cash. I didn't even know you could still buy GPS units because I have a cell phone. That tells me where I need to go. Exactly. But why would you want to do that? I mean, I can't possibly see any reason for it. So obviously this was incriminating. It showed intention to hide where he was going and tried to avoid being tracked so easily, like via his cell phone. Yeah. He's so smart. Get rid of your trash. I mean. (laughs) What is wrong with you people? What are you hoarding (laughs) receipts for? Stop it. It's always that kind of shit too, right? It's always a receipt for something. (laughs) Honestly, good. Good in this instance, Mm -hmm. but come on. What the fuck, bro? Right. Right. So the next big question that came out of this whole situation was... Oh, is it a big one? Did Cuellar work alone? Police decided to re-interview Kamaya because now they had evidence connecting her to her husband's murderer. And that is suspicious. Very, very, very suspicious. To say the least. (laughs) So the officers asked her to come in and they just directly asked her about the affair and any potential involvement that she may have had in the murder. And of course, she denied everything, including the affair. Brie, I find that shocking. I know, right? I can hardly believe it. She just told the detectives that she knew him from work. Like, uh, we work in the same place, doing the same job. Of course, like, we know each other kind of thing. Mm. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, these detectives felt the same way that we both do, and they knew better. And they just confronted her directly with the information that they collected from her fellow soldiers. Why would they lie? They would have no reason to. At all. (laughs) So this is when Kamaya changed her tune. She confessed to the affair. She stated that her marriage was not a happy one, and that ever since their son had been born, her and Tyrone had been having problems. She said that she didn't feel wanted or appreciated. So break up, right? 
No, but no. But she couldn't divorce him. But why? Because then she would lose out on a lot of security, mm. specifically financial security. And even more specifically, that financial security would come in the form of being the beneficiary of Tyrone's hefty life insurance policy. Because if divorce were to happen, he would be like, well, no. Right. Because mm. that would then go to his son were anything to happen to him while he was serving. Mm. This girl, you're telling me we now have motive and now proof? Now we have motive. Ooh. Motive and proof. So Kamaya said that she reached out to Jeremy while in Korea and they grew closer while working very close together. <laughs> initially, the, to right, initially, the relationship went from a confidant kind of thing to a full-blown affair pretty quickly. She insisted that the relationship meant more to Jeremy than it did to her, however. She also said that Jeremy had told her that he was planning to get rid of her husband once they were all back in the good old U.S. of A. This happened while they were deployed. The conversation. I'm yeah. pretty sure... In bed. That's also. what your note said. Ooh. So some pillow talk about murder. Gross. Cool, 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 cool. He specifically said that he was going to get a gun and shoot Tyrone. But Kamaya didn't think that he was being serious. Oh, of course not. And apparently the reason why she didn't try to stop him was because she didn't want him to be mad at her. But wait, I thought that you didn't think he was serious. So... Which is also it? we're talking murder here. We're not talking, talking about like not husband. going to a party or something like this and is the father of your child. That's insane to me. I just can't. I guess my brain again. I'm glad my brain is not wired in this fashion. Right. So I will never understand it. But also, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> just. <laughs> what? But I also wish I understood it because it doesn't. It's hard for me to reconcile. Right. These behaviors Why and these are you kind of people. A fool like this. Right. So it's weird, but like she didn't want him to be mad at her and she was like mildly scared of him. But they still continued the affair after returning to Georgia. And okay. Okay. You can't be that mm -hmm. scared, girl. Sure, sure, sure. sure. Right. Yep, yep, yep. Okay. It was around this time that Kamaya realized that Jeremy was being sort of kind of serious about killing her husband. But again, she was just too scared of him to speak up. Because according to her, Jeremy had quite a temper. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. I I could understand making a poor choice, going into an affair with somebody, them turning out to be potentially violent, and you needing to get out. But in that moment, you go to your husband and you say, I fucked up, and now I'm scared. Right. And he hopefully would prevent you, the mother of his child, from coming into physical harm and then you guys can figure out the rest later well yeah but like just to be like well i'm too scared to say anything if you're that scared of this person are you not scared that they're gonna come after your kid or you or all of you you know what i mean like uh, if they're mm. that unhinged like i she couldn't be that scared if she was still sleeping with him i'm just putting that out there in a situation like this i'm inclined to believe that only because i mean i Trust me, Susan and I are both well aware there are situations where that that sentence does not apply. Oh, yeah. 100 percent. But that's not what's happening here. Not, like, I, it's so mm. to me, it's so obvious that she's just trying to be manipulative. Yes. At the end of the and day. And then lie about it because she got caught. Right. Exactly. Especially because you she just went on mad to, you got caught. Right. And here's the thing, you guys. She went on to say at one point that, quote, I'm just as guilty as he is end quote, because she had given Jeremy multiple updates about her husband's whereabouts 
on those four particular visits. And police were just not buying what she was trying to sell them in any way, shape, or form. So she was arrested and charged with first-degree murder of Tyrone Hassel, as well as conspiracy to commit first-degree murder. And it should be noted that during the same interview, she failed a polygraph test as well. And as we know, that's not always 100%, but I do think that it's a good baseline just to kind of see what triggers that kind of response in a person. right? And just as a little note, her bond, which I thought was kind of crazy in a good way, was set at two and a half million dollars. I was like, whoa. It's I'm not got, saying it doesn't fit the, the crime, army, but I was Sergeant. like, huh. It's the army. Fuck around and find out. <laughs> with the fucking military, with any military. Like, I just, no thank you. <laughs> So on January 12th, 2019, Tyrone is laid to rest. Tyrone's family also learned that Kamaya and her boyfriend were charged with Tyrone's murder on this date. To say everybody was shocked by this would be, again, quite the understatement. Everybody was yeah. just blindsided 100%. On one of the things I watched, it featured a lot of Tyrone Jr., his father, oh, mm-hmm. who was very charismatic to listen to in a lot of ways like his grief was palpable absolutely but also just the way that he described the situation it was just I don't know it I can see why how Tyrone the third grew to be the the man that he was right because this guy seemed like he just was a really good guy at the end of the day as well and he really loved his son and my point with all of this is that he spoke about how betrayed absolutely he and his family felt by like finding we welcomed that out. you into our home you they know what took i mean care of her when she was playing Gr- grieving, the part of a i say wife. with heavy air quotes that, that takes some that's like a psychotic level of shit that i can't even imagine kind of shitty i just can't imagine for real same honestly same so Let's get into the trials a little bit. Let's talk about what happened. Of course, Kamaya's defense began to try and prove that her confession had been forced. That's the natural thing, right? The police forced the confession out of it. It tails old time. Uh. (laughs) They were basically just trying to retract her confession. And if successful, this would actually exonerate Kamaya. And then it could potentially affect Jeremy's trial one way or the other. Right. Absolutely. Kind of thing. Um, you know, they reiterated the fact that Jeremy acted alone. It just the whole thing was really weird. And at the end of the day, if Kamaya's retraction was successful, it would absolutely make prosecuting Jeremy a lot more difficult, uh-huh. which we know for a fact, like we know for a fact that he killed Tyrone. Right. So we definitely didn't want that to happen <laughs> before the judge could make up make a ruling on this whole situation kamaya really screwed up fucking good this honestly <laughs> i don't know if this is just arrogance or if this is just stupidity you guys decide and let me know what you think she called her mother soon after being booked into jail like pretty soon after she got arrested and all nope, that jazz. i think was her first phone call she, quite literally was to her mother yeah she confessed You guys, she literally said in a recorded call from the jail, quote, I knew what was happening with Tyrone. 
She went on to say that, quote, it was planned in Korea. I got myself mixed up in something I didn't think would be like this. We planned it. Mm. We. Mm. We planned it. Not I, not he. We. Not I was scared for my life and this, that, and the third. None of that. Her mom literally was like, what? Yeah. Because you could hear both sides of the phone call. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, no. (laughs) I think Kamaya said something about her being disappointed. And she's like, disappointed is not what I am. And like the way that she said that, I was like, ooh, what a mom move that was. Mama's mad. Good. But I just. It's just crazy. She went as far as telling her mother that she planned it with this man named Quay. Quay. Mm-hmm. who wanted them to be together. So she was still putting the blame kind of on him. Like, well, he wanted us to be together. It was never me. It was all him. You literally stepped out on your marriage. Both of you stepped on your, uh. out on your marriages. And, you know, just in case we need to keep score here, that is now two separate confessions from Kamaya. One to directly to the police and then one in a recorded jailhouse call. What? So, I also watched part of the trial and the guy that took her confession, the police officer or detective rather, at the end of everything, he had her rate how he treated her from a scale of one to 10. Oh. And they both signed and dated it. So she can't say it's forced because I'm sure she gave him favorable reviews, right? He, I don't. It didn't specify. I think um, at that point, the paper that they were showing was shown to the judge. So I didn't actually see it. And um, you know how it is sometimes finding stuff on YouTube. You don't always get like full clips and everything. Right. So I was having a hard time navigating finding that. But I just thought it was really interesting that he had that put in place because he was also the one who gave her the lie detector test, if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. So I'm pretty sure that this is something that he he basically was like, I make sure that this is that's not a thing. Right. And if they have any issues, I want them to say that here. So when we get to this moment, it's not a thing. Right. Mm -hmm. She she tried it, though. She really Mm -hmm. did. So on July 15th, 2019, Kamaya's trial begins. Her attorneys argue that the murder was all Jeremy Cuellar's idea. Prosecutors counter with evidence that Kamaya was the driving force behind the murder plot because authorities had searched her phone after her arrest. So there was evidence of Kamaya communicating with Jeremy through Snapchat. They thought Snapchat, you know, because the messages have like a 24 hour lifespan or whatever. They'd just be gone forever. That's not entirely accurate nothing's gone forever from the internet right especially if you have a good penelope garcia (laughs) in the ranks there busting through shit so kamaya had actually deleted her snapchat account a few days before her arrest Mm -hmm. however whoopsie daisy jeremy did not delete his (laughs) he seemed incredibly confident in what he did that does not surprise me Mm. So authorities were able to piece together Kamaya's username. And from that point, they were able to go back and see all of the Snapchats going back and forth between Jeremy and Kamaya. The plan for the murder began to take shape over six months before Tyrone's death. The relationship between Jeremy and Kamaya became intimate around April of 2018. Kamaya told Jeremy around this time something like, quote, if my husband's out of the picture, we could be together, end Mm. quote. So was like... he obsessed or is she trying to work an angle? Or did they... Was bo- it mutually or... awful? Sounds. I was going to say, it sounds like it's mutually awful here. 
So Jeremy Cuellar loved Kamaya so much that he was quite willing, obviously, to do anything for her. And then on New Year's Eve, Kamaya messaged Cuellar rather urgently. Basically, she wanted it done before the hassles were going to head back to Georgia on January 2nd. So shortly before 11 p.m., Cuellar Snapchatted Kamaya saying it wasn't going to work and that he was going to head back home. This, to me, proves that he did not want to do it. And then this bitch said, no, don't come back. He's coming home with food shortly. Get it done now. Mm. That doesn't sound like somebody that's afraid. Again, Hmm. what the fuck? The balls. The balls, these people. My God. Here's the thing. Kamaya would receive an incredibly large beneficiary payment from Tyrone's life insurance. It was approximately $500,000. There was another source that said $400,000. But either way, that's a shitload of money. And this speaks to motive. Prosecutors went on to talk about how Kamaya acted the part. She was sobbing. She was just hysterical. Trying to leap in the ambulance, clutching Tyrone to her chest, that kind of thing. Mm. And that really just speaks to her being manipulative and just generally awful. Just really, really Kind of just a shitty human being. It was very believable, though, because, again, like we mentioned, there's the body cam footage. Mm -hmm. So it's all in real time. And it it really was. Had I not known better, Mm -hmm. I would have absolutely been buying what she was selling. Yeah. But then it's interesting if you go back and watch it with this knowledge, with the knowledge. Mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, that does. Then seem it seems forced. kind of obvious. Yeah. Because the way that she went into the like, she didn't put up a fight when she got pulled out of the ambulance. And I think that if somebody tried to tell me, like if something happened to Mark, you were going to try to tell me that I couldn't go in the ambulance. Oh, you better fucking cuff me because there's nothing that you're going to do to get me out of that. Ambulance. Right. <laughs> like no, you're going to need to sedate me or something like. So that I found a little odd, but again, I also went into it kind of knowing where this went. So I'd be interested to know your guys' thoughts on all that. Absolutely. So on July 18th, 2019, the jury reaches their verdict in Kamaya's case. She was found guilty of first degree premeditated murder as aider or a better. She was also found guilty of conspiracy to commit first degree premeditated murder. This led to a mandatory life sentence with no parole. Mm. Witnesses in court actually said Kamaya showed no remorse, literally just a cold, hard bitch. She did not make a statement in court either. She expressed no remorse, not a damn thing. When asked if she wanted to make a statement to the court or if she wished to remain silent, she just wanted to remain silent. Mm. So, and this is a quote. Justice was served, but we still lost, according to uh, Berrien County Chief Assistant Prosecutor Steve Parangeli, after the jury delivered the verdict, quote, the army lost a good soldier. Tyrone's father lost a good son, end quote. And Tyrone the fourth lost a good father. Tyrone Jr. was very upset at Kamaya's choice not to testify because he, as well as the rest of the family, hoping to get an answer as to why this happened just why yeah why did you set this up why did you cheat why did you then come in my home and let me take care of you while i was putting my own grief aside to do that for you that's just heart-wrenching to me and these honestly tyrone the hassles seemed like such nice people they really really did so I know they did it out of the kindness of their heart because that's the type of people they are. But she was still, family. Like, how deep that knife cuts, you know? 
So Tyrone's mother, LaShonda Jones, had words for her daughter-in-law that were not very pleasant. She said, and I quote, I want you to spend every day suffering behind bars for the rest of your life. And I hope every time you close your eyes, my son taps you on the shoulders and smiles. Apparently, she said. Dang, I just got chills. Mama, don't pull no punches. She said again, you're a cold-blooded murderer. You killed my son without emotion or pity, end quote. I mean, she wasn't wrong. All of that is true, though. And very clearly, like, no remorse either. So, mm-hmm. If there was remorse, she did a fantastic job at hiding it. But I honestly feel as though in this instance, her remorse was only for herself because she got caught. She yeah. had none for Tyrone, none for her son. I don't even know that she had any, period. Yeah. Honestly, I don't think that she felt ashamed at all. Ugh. I mean, that's just an that's assumption. So but gross, though. Yeah. How can you do something like this and not feel anything? I just don't. Yeah. I don't get it. There are some days where I feel all the feelings and then there are days and I just, it's so much, but I'd rather feel that than whatever this is. No, oh, absolutely. And then just avoid. <laughs> Ew, icky. So things kind of wrapped up fairly quickly after the, Kamaya's trial uh, after her conviction Jeremy decided to just take a plea deal rather than go to trial I think at that point he knew if Probably. she if the she, writing was on the wall if she was convicted he, he would also down. be mm-hmm. so he pled guilty to secondary murder and was sentenced to 65 to 90 years in prison his only request was that he be able to speak with Tyrone Hassel Jr. Tyrone the third's father Quayahar said, quote, I'm truly sorry. I know that ain't worth shit. End quote. Mm. Mm. I, if you are interested in this story and watching the dynamics of all these people when they are speaking and interacting, I would highly recommend you find the footage from this conversation because listening to Jeremy Quayar tell his story was it? fascinating because he has a completely different version of events that that checks out that kamaya was the one that manipulated him and convinced mm -hmm. him to do all these things and you know if you could lie like that like the way that she did calling 911 i don't know i don't i don't not believe it right for what it's worth and also there's a really crazy part tyrone said that at the end because Jeremy asked for his forgiveness and Tyrone said look like I understand hearing your story and I appreciate you telling me that and he's like outside of this you probably were a good dude like this this family (laughs) is just so full of such good humans I know it's just ridiculous but then he reminded him at the end of the call that he was going to have a very tough time in jail because Tyrone had friends there Ooh, it was crazy there was at one point jeremy looked at his the the dad and was like you look like you want me to rot in hell and he's like and i understand that and that the way that jeremy delivered that was almost it was scary it was wild i think you guys should check it out it's (laughs) it was how why did you even agree to go talk to this person in the first place that's crazy i don't think i could do it I think this is another instance where Tyrone Jr. wanted answers to the why. Yeah. He he wanted to know, for better or for worse, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's 
my well, thoughts. And I wonder too if parts of the story got to him because you know, Quayar did tell Tyrone's father that he had been planning to divorce his wife, and he fell in love with Kamaya after starting a romantic relationship with her while they were stationed in South Korea. He even got attached to the baby. Ew. I didn't I didn't care for that. I did not like it. Jeremy went on to say, quote, I had issues already. I hated. I was hated all over the place. For some reason, I thought Kamaya was my life. And that it was she who manipulated him into believing that he needed to kill her husband if they were to be together. Which I'm inclined to believe only because of the sum of money that was at play here. Uh-huh. Absolutely. If it wasn't for that, I would I would be more inclined to believe Kamaya's versions of events. But that life insurance policy doesn't sit right with me. One of the last things that we have at least noted from that conversation was when Quayar said, quote, my mind was twisted. I thought I had to do that in order for me to have a family with her because I wanted to have kids. And a statement like that leads me to believe that maybe his first wife, like his wife didn't want that maybe. Right. Or maybe or they couldn't have that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or me and maybe having Kamaya and this relationship with her and her having a son. I don't know, man. Crazy. I just feel like Kamaya saw the weakness in Jeremy Quayar and just like a magnet was like, yeah. I'm going to exploit this. Because like, you know, you, my first instinct is to not have any empathy for the person who did the murdering because that's really wrong and he shouldn't have done that. But I just really wonder how much he may have been manipulative or led to believe something. It's not hard to fuck with people's minds. No, for sure. It's Especially not... when people are already like not doing well mentally or emotionally. Well, like, we don't know, you know what, what I mean? they saw when they were serving or what this person, either one of them experiences individuals. Like, right. We both have friends have, that have served. Like it's it can get really fucked up for them. Absolutely. So who knows any one of them in this situation, really, I guess. I just feel like it was a very toxic blend here. You know what I mean? It just from great. top to bottom. If you're not happy in a relationship because you're feeling underappreciated, use your words. And if those don't work, then leave. Right. Because you don't deserve not to feel murder. that way. But not murder. That should not be one of An the options. Option. It shouldn't even be near the list. It shouldn't even be a thought in your brain. Oh my goodness, these people. Now here's where Jeremy Cuellar starts to lose some traction in my mind. Mm -hmm. uh, in July of 2020, he tried to withdraw his guilty plea. His appeal went all the way to the Michigan Court of Appeals and then went even further to the Michigan Supreme Court. They denied his request in August of 2021. Kamaya has also petitioned for a new trial due to a claim of ineffective assistance of counsel. Basically, what that means is her excuse here is that she was the victim of battered partner syndrome and her defense team did not pursue that angle. Mm. She claimed that she was subjected to extensive physical, verbal and emotional abuse during her marriage to Tyrone. Tyrone's father, however, vehemently denies that his son was abusive in any way, shape or form. Yeah. From everything that I have read, again, I don't know what was happening behind closed doors. Right. This never... man did not seem like one of those people, though. Yeah. And also, why is it only coming up now, three years later? That's what I was going to say. I'm never going to outwardly dis like disagree. Like, who, mm -hmm. like I'm not going to tell somebody no, that didn't happen. Like, if that if you're saying that was your experience, I'm not going to argue with you about it. Right. Because, like you said, we don't know what's happening, but 
I mean, I've been around really violent men in my life, and they certainly didn't behave the way that FaceTiming their children. Anybody once a in day. the story behaved. <laughs> I know, exactly. You know? Right. And Very good point. You can't blanket statement this kind of shit but it just doesn't feel right she tested it out though and like you said <laughs> three years later why didn't you make that statement in court you and had I, the opportunity the court documents are one of the linked sources i tried to read through them they made my eyeballs go crossways so i sort of gave up pretty quickly but that was the main focus of her appeal was mm. that her counsel did not pursue this specific angle interesting so, okay yeah i can't read all the legalese it just <laughs> made me go cross-eyed so fair <laughs> it didn't matter however in november of 2022 kamaya's conviction was upheld by the michigan court of appeals so all that being said it, it did not amount to anything for her right at least not what she wanted at the end of the day kamaya did not pull the trigger but evidence throughout her trial in 2019 showed that she and her lover jeremy Quayar plotted the killing so they could be together but also have a bunch of money gross that's just really icky just all of it yeah this seems kind of like a, a loose end if you will in case you were wondering both of them were dishonorably discharged from the u.s army i mean i would have fucking hoped so but you never truly know <laughs> well i mean they let stephanie lazarus resign rather than fire her so <sighs> that's a whole nother <laughs> rage-filled idea the last little note we'd like to make is to just mention where tyrone's son is currently Aww. he is being taken care of by tyrone or by his father and stepmother in Michigan. He was originally with Kamaya's mother, but it seems as if once she was convicted, that caused a change. We don't know what that looks like or why. I do but... remember Tyrone Jr. said at either at the trial or right around the trial that he hoped to see the baby soon. They hadn't seen him for like a year. So I'm curious to know what changed. I'm happy though. I feel like Tyrone the fourth will be He's being raised by some really great people. Yeah. So I hope he's got a bright future ahead of him, despite not having either parent in his yeah. life. And that's just it, right? At the end of the day, that's who suffers. You know what I mean? Tyrone's yeah. family, Tyrone's son. Kamaya's not suffering. I mean, she might be, but not nearly Fingers as much crossed. as the rest of these people. It's crazy to me. It's just, I never, I don't understand cheating in the first place either like that's something that like it just doesn't cross my mind if you're unhappy then do something, do something to something fix else. your situation right. that's not hurting others i guess i don't know i just what a crazy story to go from an affair though to basically like a hired hit is just yeah i, I don't know how we got there but <laughs> that's where we wound up i know that the term trauma bonded really specifically refers to people in a physically abusive relationships but i wonder if there was some element of that kind of situation when kamaya and jeremy got together if they were deployed when they initially got together you know what i mean if some of that chaos or something added some lemon element that bonded them right. in a way that caused us to get here i don't even know if it needed to be trauma bonding i feel like being in the military breeds a sort of camaraderie that we will never understand because that has not been our yeah, life do you know what experience. i mean so yeah. even if it's not trauma bonding through serving it's just the closeness and the deepness of what you're going through you yeah. know what i mean so i i'd be curious to know if that situation if that played a role 
Mm -hmm. Not that it changes anything. At the end of the day, a very good man lost his life. And for what? For, for nothing you it, know not this is one of those things that you could have just you could have just left it could have been absolutely solved. but greed Ugh. money man green-eyed monster man it makes people do some wild shit i just don't get it me neither and on that note we're gonna wrap our episode yeah for the very last time in 2023 uh-huh. <laughs> but we are gonna end it there and i are gonna skedaddle thank you guys for your support while we do this crazy little thing, we just really appreciate you so much. You have no idea. Um, be sure you're following the podcast on social media so we can hang out. We will be active during our time off. So yes. just keep that in mind. On Facebook and Instagram, we are at Crime and Spirits Pod. On TikTok, we are at Crime and Spirits Podcast. This is where you're going to find ingredients, recipes, videos, the whole nine yards, showing you how to make each drink, dumb nonsense we find funny, <laughs> the whole nine yards. If you'd like to follow us personally, you can find us each on Instagram. I am at Suze, not Susan. And I'm at Brie underscore, not the cheese. If you are into what we are doing over here, and we really hope that you are, we would love it if you left us a rating and or a review or even shout us out on social media, tag us in your drink pics. We love send to us repost a stuff. Come on. Like literally <laughs> in any kind of way. We just want to know how you're feeling about what we're doing. And also to just connect with you a little bit in that way. And we do shout out if you leave us a review. We do mention you on the podcast. Mm -hmm. And uh, there might be, I don't know, like giveaways or some crazy shit happening next year for reviews. It's in the works for 2024. So keep an eye out. Uh, Another thing I'd like to mention, we are going to be working behind the scenes during our time off. Uh, We're not just taking the entire month to just do nothing. So if there is a case or a cocktail or liquor or literally anything that you want us to check out, talk shit about, any, you, any of the dive things. into, send us an email, crimeandspiritspodcast at gmail.com. I, I like to keep, we like to keep things separate a little bit if we can. The email we want to have, it's easier to sift through stuff, if yep. you will. So that is where you could do that. And finally, if you are interested in becoming a monthly supporter of our podcast, there is a link for that in the show notes. Feel free to smash that link. So at the end of every episode, we normally do a corny little joke to shake off the heebie-jeebies, but we're not going to do that today. No, we're just going to talk about how wonderful this last (laughs) year has been. Susan and I are really like in our feels about it and we saved it for the end because if you're not interested in our shenanigans like this. By all means, we will see you in February. It's no big deal. (laughs) I hope you have a great new year. We just, I don't know. I, we haven't really shared a whole lot about like our personal backstories and I do plan to do that a little bit more next year, Mm -hmm. but like you guys have no idea this past year has been such a struggle and also one of the greatest years and the most growth that I've ever had personally. Mm-hmm. And I honestly have this podcast and all of you out there listening to thank for that. Why? And I really feel like no matter what the world threw at us this year, we persevered. We did. <laughs> we did the damn thing. We really did. And this is something that I've always wanted to do. I've always wanted to put myself out there. I've always wanted to build some kind of community where we just get to learn about new things that we get to educate ourselves that we get to support each other and lean on each other. And I'm hoping Susan and I are both hoping Mm -hmm. that 
this is just going to be the beginning of some really fucking cool adventures. Absolutely. (laughs) It is. We're determined to make it so come hell or high water. (laughs) And it's just been such a fun experience. You know, I mean, a year and a half ago, we didn't even know what microphone to use. (laughs) We literally sat in a pillow fort on the floor and recorded. Oh my God, we did. I forgot about the pillow fort. We didn't plan any of the drink stuff. We didn't plan hardly anything. And look, I just think of where we started and where we are now. And I'm just so proud of us. I am too. I am too. And I'm so excited. And the fact that we put this out there and not even just the fact that we have been able to successfully produce this podcast since April of last year. You guys are listening to it and you like us. And you keep coming back for more, I think. I sometimes look at our numbers and I'm like, I really can't believe this is true. I know. Uh, it seems too good to be true. And we have you guys to thank for that. Yeah. We're so appreciative every week when you show up, when you like our shit, when you Mm -hmm. share our shit, when you leave us a review. It just makes our freaking day. There's so many times where Susan and I are just sending screenshots to each other. Like like, excitedly like stuff. And what we did. It's super fun. And you know, we we want to lean into the mixology aspect of what we're doing a little bit more. We want to do a little bit more like more formal education in that area we want to dive deeper into some topics next year we're gonna restructure things ever so slightly maybe just do more groups of certain topics things like that if you have any suggestions hit us let us know as you know we love a good theme yes. so <laughs> I, one of my favorite parts of the year was the summer of serial killers because it was very i don't want to say nice because right. it was not nice <laughs> right but it was very interesting to work within a specific kind of format yeah. and, and really, try and fit our ideas into that yeah and it forced us to think outside of our box a little bit mm-hmm. which was fun and also I just love learning things. And it's so true. getting to dive into a specific topic for a little while, I think overall just ended up with us creating better content. Absolutely. So we have so much in store for you guys next year. And I know we've said it a million times, but thank you from the bottom of my heart. Yes. We're just so thankful for all of you out there. Yep. And before I cry, we're just going to go because I'm so emotional today (laughs) and I've been in my feels all week and it was the full moon in cancer. And it's like, I don't know what you guys want from me. There has been a lot. And the (laughs) the holiday rush and all that jazz. Holiday. And then Mercury went into retrograde. Not to be that girl, but I'm going to be that girl. And then the full moon in cancer, which is one of the most like, I mean, Pisces is the most emotional, but there's a lot happening in cancer too. It's been crazy, but ultimately this is the most fun I've ever had. Mm -hmm. And Susan and I have both had, we've just been through some shit to get to this point. And I don't know about you, but this has just given me such a sense of purpose. Absolutely. In my life. And I also want to take a super quick shout out to like our friends and family members who actually know us in real life and have taken the time to support us because you guys have been here since the first day. Even when we sounded like we were yelling down a hallway (laughs) and there were bumps and horrible sounds. Oh, it's so bad. (laughs) But But, it's gotten so much better. Yeah. And we're only going up from here. 100%. I don't think that we can truly express what this experience has been for us. And I can't wait to continue on with this journey. Absolutely. So we're going to shut up now. 
<laughs> we, we might do another we were thinking about maybe doing like a don't drink with strangers to kind of elaborate a little bit more on some things mm-hmm. also if you guys have any ideas for like bonus episodes that you might want next year we want to make that more of a regular thing as we're well. gonna we're gonna test it out you just let <laughs> us know hit us up via You're the email it's so sick of us just they, kidding they love it just kidding you know you <laughs> love us all right thank you guys for a stellar year And we will see you in February. Yes. Happy New Year, guys. Happy New Year. Love you. Bye. Bye.